Good morning. In this episode of the Battling Pickle Podcast, we talk stress. I've had a lot of stress over the last 24 hours, and so I guess it's on my mind. But we talk about it not just in how annoying it is, but in how we might be able to use it both for clients in therapy and students in a classroom as a power for good. Well, it is a new week of classes in summer one of 2022, and I am talking about a topic that actually goes across both of the classes that I'm currently teaching in both abnormal psychology and educational psychology or psychology of learning. And that topic is stress. Uh, And that topic is specifically not just stress, but what we learn from stress and how we deal with stress. As someone who, over the last 24 hours, has had a number of stressful events happen, it's been kind of a rough 24 hours for me, I thought this was something that would also be applicable to a summer session, because in the summer session, we are moving so quickly through material. Uh, The material that I'm going to be talking about in this podcast is in the mid-chapters of uh, the books already, chapter five and six in the Slavin text, and uh, I think it's chapter five in the Sioux text for abnormal so let's uh, start with the the interesting sidebar that uh, the Sues in their text it is a family of people. S-U-E is the last name, and there are four of them. So literally the citation of the text is Sue, 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 and Sue, uh, which I heard our bookstore manager found very humorous when he realized uh, that that was the actual citation for our textbook. But that aside, on page 128, there's a sidebar topic, uh, focus on resilience, talking about a study that some people find very surprising. Uh, This study uh, was by Siri Holman and Silver in 2010, and they basically looked at the overall negative life events that you've experienced in your lifetime and then followed those people for the next two years to find out how they were doing when they encountered new stressors. And what they found was that if you had experienced a moderate level of stressors, in your lifetime, then over the next two years, you actually fared pretty well with new stressors or new challenges that came up to you. And of course, we can always talk about stressors as challenges because obviously there's a cognitive appraisal that we'll talk more about later when we um, get to some of the material from the Slavin chapter in educational psych. So this finding basically shows that compared to people who had a very little amount of stress and then had these stressors happen, or someone who had dealt with a lot of stress and had these stressors happen, if you've had sort of the right amount of stress throughout your lifetime, it provides a bit of an inoculation against future stressors, uh, which is sort of interesting to us because as Siri et al. notes in the bottom of the sidebar, in moderation, whatever does not kill us may indeed make us stronger. Now, if you're wondering why this is of particular note for education, so obviously in abnormal psychology, this is really interesting because it suggests that the students, or not the students, but the clients that we have that come in that have led more or less gifted lives, you know, everything's gone well for them, no problems at all, no challenges, nothing we would sort of think, well, yeah, you would have no ability to deal with those stressors. Uh, And the people who have been beaten down their whole lives by things, we would maybe think in deeper thought, yeah, they, they probably are tapped out. 
we don't often think about challenges of stress helping us build a muscle or helping us build a psychological coping mechanism. And what this is basically saying is if you're a therapist and someone comes in, you want to know, have you had a low amount of stress, a high amount of stress, or a middle amount of stress? If you had a middle amount of stress, then that person might be a little bit more open to talking about different skills earlier in the therapeutic relationship versus trying to simply um, you know, get the person out of crisis and get them into a state where they can make progress. One of the things that you deal with in therapy quite often is figuring out when is the right time to pivot away from dealing with a current stressor and then looking toward the future? How are we going to make this better for you in the future uh, and building those skills? Because obviously, if you sit around all day and you just talk about the past, while that might be therapeutic in the short term, makes people feel a little bit better about things, um, it's not going to help them in the future. It's not going to help them know how to deal with these things so that ultimately, for most therapists, your goal is that the person, quote unquote, doesn't need you anymore. <laughs> they don't have to come to you every week. And while there is some uh, things good to be said about continual improvement and being able to, to see a therapist regularly for things that aren't crisis related, for most people, they seek therapy as a way to help solve a current problem, not a professional development. I'll just keep going to this person. I'll get better and better. Although that's not a bad mindset to take. So as a therapist, if I'm looking at your stressors, I want to know how have you dealt with it in the past? And have you, are you ready to start using what you have learned from those experiences for future experiences of stressors? So let's pivot now to talking about uh, the educational psychology material. So as I mentioned, chapter five in the Slavin text talks about behavioral uh, learning and chapter six talks about cognitive theories of learning. Obviously behavioral learning for those of us in the psychology area, we are usually thinking about conditioning. We're talking about classical conditioning, operant conditioning, social learning, this idea that I pick up what I do based on the behaviors of others. And when it comes to stress, we know that there is a lot of learning that goes on by watching others and a lot of learning that goes on that people are unaware of. You know, they, they look at the things that their parents did and they copy those if they're in a time of stress. Or they look at how uh, a teacher in a classroom handled one thing and they expand that or generalize that to think that's how their current teacher is going to handle something. So obviously we know if you've had a bad experience with teachers, you're probably less likely to want to talk to a teacher in the future because you learned from that previous experience, hey, it didn't go so well for me. And as an educator, you're always working to dispel that. You know, I'm not like, I'm not going to behave the way that your previous teacher did if uh, that's your, your hang up. Now, the behavioral methods are powerful and they seem deceptively simple because as you map out, you know, classical conditioning, you're mapping out an unconditioned stimulus, unconditioned response, all those things, punishers and reinforcers, all those things come in. In fact, if you're interested, I did a, uh, 
Battling Pickle podcast last year, uh, BP3 is the problems with punishment. Um, you might go back and listen to that because I outline in that podcast uh, why reinforcement is preferable to punishment because reinforcement doesn't have some of the same problems that punishment has. So we often think of behavioral models as being you know, simple learning that people aren't necessarily aware of and they don't necessarily... Uh, Get, we don't utilize them as much uh, for complex things as we think of them on the simple side, even though you can shape very complex behaviors. And Slavin talks about that in the section on shaping. But what I think is really powerful is when you put in the cognitive theories as well as the behavioral theories, when specifically you're thinking about stressful events. So I'm thinking about, you know, in a classroom, you've got a stressful event coming up. You've got a test, for example. And we know that there are a number of ways that you can deal with testing and test anxiety. Uh, unfortunately, the way that many deal with this is just continual reinforcement of the content. You know, if they know the content, then they'll be able to pass the test and all is good. But there's a stressor component to that. And I think about how an instructor can use a stressor like a test not as a, okay, we just got to power through it and get through it and we'll be okay, but you can actually use it as a challenge. And that's where the cognitive shaping and understanding of the world come into, comes into play. And that's where you can combine not only the, uh, you know, behavioral aspects of how do you cope with this? What behaviors do you use? How do I reinforce the good behaviors? How do I uh, punish the bad behaviors? You can also really get your students thinking about how they view an event. And if your students can look at a test coming up and say, yeah, it's gonna be stressful, it's gonna be challenging, but that's what I need. I need to be challenged, I need to be pushed, I need that for my own development as a person, that's going to be, even if they do horrible on the test, that's still going to be a better life lesson than someone who looks at and goes, this is just an ordeal that I'm going to have to go through and it's going to suck and I'm going to hate it. Think about how different those two mindsets are. Very same thing with uh, the content in abnormal psychology as you're looking through the chapter on stressors and stress-related disorders. It all comes down to what we call cognitive appraisal. How do people think about the stressful event that they're experiencing? And if they think about it as, I got to move through it, I got to get better from it, and I got to be able to just be at peace with it happening to me, that's going to be a lot more uh useful than someone saying, well, this is going to suck and I'm just going to be upset about it. And that's just the way my life is going to be right now. So as you are dealing with your own stress of this semester and dealing with your own, uh, you know, thinking about how do I help my students? How do I, uh, you know, push them and motivate them? Or if you decide to go into clinical life at some point uh, in any kind of form, you're going to want to be thinking about not how you just teach people to deal with stress, but how you teach them to think about stress, because that is one of the biggest challenges that we have as functional adults, as functional educators, and as students. 
been another episode of the Battling Pickle Podcast. One note uh, for students in psychology of learning, two other episodes from last year, Battling Pickle Podcast 4 and 8, deal with talking about the major project. 4 talks about what the major project entails, and 8 is actually my reactions to the major projects that I graded in June of last year. So if you are already thinking about your major project, which is a good thing to be doing, and you're curious about more information, I would definitely recommend checking those out so that you can get a bit more detail on the project. As always, if you have questions or you want to contribute to the podcast, go to Battling Pickle on Anchor.fm. So that's just Anchor.fm slash Battling Pickle. And you can ask questions there. You can also find all of the episodes from last year and the episodes from this year as well. Have a great day.